Hopefully you brought your scripture notebooks because tonight, if you couldn't guess already, we're going to do a group study. So we're going to continue our series of studying through the Gospel of John called Know and Believe. And we are doing um, a group study over the passage of John 7, 1 through 52. So the chapter of John 7. So if you need a pen, we have extras. If you need paper because you don't have your scripture notebook, we also have some of those. Um, if you need a Bible... I believe we have some extra Bibles if you didn't bring your scripture notebook with you. So, if you have your scripture notebooks with you, please open to John chapter 7. Or if you have your Bibles, please open to the Gospel of John chapter 7. And I just want to quickly recap uh, last lesson because we took last week off. We had a hype leadership meeting, right? And then we had a movie night this week. And then we have hype tonight. So, we took a week off, and I just kind of want to give a quick recap. Um, over our last lesson, so two weeks ago. To recap um, from last time, we ended with a really hard teaching from Jesus that sent many people away because it was confusing for them. They said that it was hard to understand. Because it was hard to understand, they said, you know what, to with the Jesus, you know, we, we're just going to go walk away. We can't understand this. And so um, we, we're just going to go and do whatever we want to do. For tonight, we see Jesus in a region called Galilee, and we'll read that Jesus um, is traveling from Galilee to Jerusalem for a festival. Um, and before I have you read the story in your groups, I just want to put this into perspective, what this traveling would be like. Now, the distance from Galilee to Jerusalem is roughly around the same distance from Eureka to Springfield, Illinois, the capital of our state, a trip that takes about an hour and a half in a car but um, there were no cars in Jesus' time, right? They walked. If you were fortunate enough, they had a horse, but we know that Jesus and the disciples probably walked. And so instead of taking an hour and a half, it would take two to three days walking. So it's a long time walking straight, though, and that's all you're doing is walking and talking. It's a lot, especially when you've got to spend the night, not in a hotel, but somewhere in a different town, hopefully in a town where it's secure and not just out in the wilderness. So with that in mind, we are going to jump into our groups. Um, so make a circle around your leader. Um, leaders, we are going through John 7, 1 through 24, and we're going to split the passage almost in half. So in your, in your groups, we're going to go through three things because we haven't done a group study in a while. We're going to do observation, which is asking, what does the text say? Interpretation, what does the text mean or why? And then application, what truth can I take from this passage of Scripture and apply it to my life? So the question is, so what? So read that. I'm going to give you guys like 10 to 15 minutes to read and to discuss. Yes. 24. You're going through 24. We're splitting it in half. You're welcome. All right. I will let you guys know when we're about done. Okay, so observation. Let's start with the group in the back. Uh, eighth grade high school girls, what were some observations that you had? Yes, Julia. Yeah, you're observing what happened or interesting things that stuck out to you. So you're telling us a story. Yes. Right, and then like the story stops, and we'll continue the story 
when we go back and turn groups the second time. Yes, that was a great summary of what happened. Sixth and seventh grade girls, what was the question that you guys came up with? Oh, I'll come back to you guys. Eighth grade high school boys, do you guys have a question? Question? Yes, Max. Who were the Jews? Excellent question. So, listen up. Max had a question of who? Guys, listen up. Max had a question of who are the Jews? Did you guys find an answer to the question? Who? Yeah, so when it says the Jews, especially in this passage, it definitely could be referring to religious people in the Jewish society. So it could be a Pharisee or a Sadducee. Um, it could be very well one of those people. Um, but it also could mean Jews at large, which are just simply people from the region of Judea, or formerly known as or Jews. That's um, a lot where they get their name from. Um, so um, it could be general Jews, or it could be Pharisees and, and more. Uh, typically, no, because the Jewish festival, so usually... Um, it was typically a majority Jews by a lot. Sure, yeah, so probably religious elite Jews, so Pharisees uh, is probably who John is explaining in this story. My group, what was another question that we had? Grayson. What is the festival of shelters? Now, what did we say in our group? Yeah, so the festival was a time to remember when the Jews spent, or when the Israelites, rather, spent time in tents and shelters while they were living in the wilderness, when they were coming out of Egypt, and they were in the wilderness for 40 years, living in those shelters and tents. And so um, this is a festival that reminds people of that time period and their dependency and need for God while they were in the wilderness, which was something good to remind them, and it's a good reminder for us today. So, application. What? Yes. Uh, yes, and tabernacles. Yeah, yeah, because the tabernacle was also there during that period in time. Yep. Uh, sixth and seventh grade girls, you said you had one for application. Yes, Aubrey. Don't judge people on their appearance. Yes. So, so, guys, listen up. Sixth and seventh grade guys, listen up. So the verse 24 says, Stop judging according to outward appearances. Rather, judge according to righteous judgment. And so Jesus is referring to when uh, a lot of religious people were saying healing on the Sabbath was bad, and they thought that that was weird and contrary to their value system, but what he was doing was actually good had uh, righteousness intent, but they thought it was bad, and so they were judging him based on an outward appearance, not rather the heart of the action. And so this is a good reminder for us, as I was sharing with my group, uh, that I am guilty of this. When I, when I was going through school, I was guilty of this. Um, I was what you call a jock in high school. I thought I was Mr. Big Stuff I, because I was on the basketball team because I was tall, because I was bigger than everybody, I thought I was Mr. Popular. I did. I thought that, um, I, I thought, yeah, a lot of things, and, huh? What? Pride. 
Yes, I had a lot of pride in high school. And so because of that, I thought a lot of other people were weird, okay? And I didn't associate myself with some people because I thought they were weird. And what's really unfortunate is because some of those people were actually believers. And even though I might not have been at the time, or even, even when I was a believer, I accepted Jesus when I was a sophomore in high school, even as a believer, I still didn't want to hang around the, the weird crowd. But some of those weird people in my mind, they were actually Jesus followers. They loved Jesus. And if I could go back in time, I wish I could have created deeper friendships with those people because they would have helped me become a better follower of Jesus. So for me, from my experience, I'm just confessing like, hey, when I was in high school, I understand that temptation to judge somebody on their outward appearance rather than what's on the inside. So it's a good reminder for all of us to really focus on the heart and on the um, intent of actions, not just the outward appearance of people. Okay, you guys got another 15 minutes to go over John 7, 25 through 52. So you got another 15 minutes. Get to it. Okay, so observations from the 8th grade and high school girls. What was an observation? Guys, listen up. Observation from the 8th grade high school girls small group. Other than Julia, because Julia answered last time. Yeah, they're, they're confused on where Jesus is from because the Pharisees are like, wait, he's from Galilee. I thought the Messiah was supposed to be from Bethlehem. And then other people are like, wait, you know where the Messiah is from? I thought you weren't supposed to know where the Messiah was from. So, yeah, people are confused. We know where Jesus is from. He was born in Bethlehem. And then his parents were from Nazareth, so he was raised in Nazareth, which is in Galilee. And so he covers both prophecies. We know this. And he came out, yeah, he fulfilled all prophecy about all the different places that he came from. All right, um, sixth and seventh grade girls, what is the question you guys have? Or do you have an application point again? Or do you have a question? Okay, so we'll come back to you for application again. Okay, eighth grade high school boys. Did you guys have any questions? Student from eighth grade high school boys, that's not Max. So, Devin, Brent. Landon, Gavin, the other Landon, what was the question that you guys discussed in your group? Yes, Gavin. Why is Jesus being so bold? What was your guys' answer? Did you come up with an answer? So the question, so the question is, why was Jesus so bold? Okay. No, bold and bald are not the same thing. Okay. Guys, listen up. Listen up. We're almost done. I need your attention just for a little bit more. Why was Jesus so bold? Meaning, why was he so upfront about who he was? Uh, part of it was because... Whose phone? Okay, so why was he so bold? It was because... Because... He was trying to teach people who he was. People were in disbelief of who he was. We read earlier that even his own brothers didn't actually believe who he was. And so why was he so bold? Because he had truth that people needed to know that he was the only way, the only way to get to heaven. So if you know truth, 
and you know that your time is going to be short because you're going to be crucified for the sins of the world, you are compelled to deliver that message of truth. So that's why I am assuming, presuming that he was bold. Okay, my group, 6th and 7th grade boys, what was another question that we had? Someone other than Grayson, because I think he answered last time. Asher. Right, so what? why the fact that he was out of Galilee? Why did that disprove him to be the Messiah? So um, what did we come up with, Asher? Yeah, so to, to be said that you're from Galilee was kind of like an insult. Galilee was a very poor area, and so the Pharisees, the religious people at that time, was like, there's no way the Messiah comes from a poor area. The, the Messiah is going to come and reign, and he's going to be from the line of David. He's going to be rich. He's going to be powerful. He's going to be mighty. And we know that Jesus came from Galilee. He was out of Nazareth, fulfilled that prophecy, but he also was born in Bethlehem, so he also fulfilled that prophecy as well. And so to be from Galilee, to be accused of that was an insult per se. All right, application point quick. One moment. Application point. All of ours? Uh, sorry. I apologize. I apologize. All right, so some closing thoughts. Listen up. I got some closing thoughts. It'll be a few minutes, and then I'll dismiss you guys to pray, and then we can continue on with our night, okay? So some closing thoughts. To wrap up our study of uh, John 7 tonight, I think it's safe to say that people are divided over Jesus. There are certain people who strongly oppose him, even to the point of trying to kill him. And then we have people who believe in Jesus. I think the key verse in this entire chapter, if you want to know what the main point of John 7 is, so you have to go to verse uh, 31. So if you have your scripture notebooks, this would be a great verse to note, to underline, to circle. This is the main point in John 7, I believe. It says, however, many from the crowd believed in him and said, when the Messiah comes, he won't perform more signs than this man has done. Will he? This verse is a summary point of what we've read pretty much so far in the Gospel of John. Jesus is not just someone who says a bunch of things and says, follow me, and hopes that people follow him. He proved that he was God by all the signs and miracles that he had performed up until this point and will continue to perform as we continue reading John. And those signs, those miracles are proofs that Jesus is who he said he is. This means that we can believe what Jesus says is to be true. So when Jesus says in verse 38, another great verse to circle and underline if you uh, have a pen and you're still taking notes, hopefully, if you're not just laying on the ground. Verse 38, the one who believes in me, as the scripture has said, will have streams of living water flow from deep within him. This simply means that whoever believes in Jesus will have eternal life in heaven. What is implied is also the opposite. Those who don't believe in Jesus will experience eternal torture and hell. Now, this truth can seem boring after hearing week after week after week after week because we're going through the gospel in John. This has been a theme throughout the gospel of John. And so, yes, we're teaching this week after week after week that those who believe in Jesus go to heaven, those who don't spend eternity separated from God in hell. 
Now, sometimes, though, because it can seem mundane or boring, we need a wake-up call. We need a wake-up call when you get used to something for so long. So, for example, last night, Amber and I, we have uh, a dinner and, and, and a theater play to go to. The Hughes were there as well, and so were the, the Jacksons. Um, and so we had, we had a theater a dinner and a play to go to last night. Amber and I, we woke up from a nap. I think we had previously napped before we went to this, so we were kind of tired. We started driving. We were going from Eureka to Goodfield. Yes, we do. We were tired. We were driving. All of a sudden, the Hughes know where the story is going. All of a sudden, there's a deer that comes out of the ravine area onto the road. We thought we were fine because there was a truck in front of us. But even that deer thought that he could split the truck and Amber's car. So, I mean, to, to tell the result of the story, it was just the head. We didn't see it dead. Amber's car is fine. It has a couple dents and a broken light, head, uh, light bulb covering. So, manageable damage. But anyway, the point is, the point is, that deer woke us up pretty quick. You know, we were kind of tired. We were just driving something that we always do. And for me, that road from Eureka to Goodfield is a road that I traveled probably a thousand times. A lot of times. That's the road I drove to school and back, to practice and back, to work and back. I drove it a ton of times. But this time was different because there was an obstacle, something that I'm not used to that was in our way that was a wake-up call. We don't know because we didn't see it when we went back and looked for it. So that's not guys, that's not the point. Hey, guys, guys, can I have your attention? The point is sometimes we need a wake-up call. For us, I believe that we need a spiritual wake-up call so this message of the gospel doesn't get boring as it continues to be proclaimed and taught again from up here. So some people need a spiritual wake-up call. So for example, this past weekend we watched a movie. If you were here at the church on Friday night, we watched a movie called Ends of the Earth. And in it showed tribal people in the area of Papua New Guinea and Papua Indonesia. And these are people who don't have access to the gospel, who don't have a Bible. They don't know God's word. And in the movie, people from the tribe, tribal leaders, expressed a desire to have God's word. They were crying because people couldn't get to them with Bibles, with, uh, with resources to translate God's word into their language. They were crying out because they wanted to know truth. And it was such a, a wake-up call for me to know that I have access to his truth in so many different ways. There are so many different versions of the English language in a Bible that we have access to our phones that have Bible apps. We have these scripture notebooks which have the gospel, the words of life. And these, we, have these, we saw these people in this movie begging to receive just written word of God. And I hope that we can have that same desire to see God's word as not just another book, but actually words that contain truth that give us spiritual life. And we, be, we need to be reminded of that. We need to have a spiritual wake-up call for believers. The gospel is a wake-up call to spread God's truth to others around us. 
So besides the movie on Friday night, we had a conference here Saturday uh, with other area pastors from other area churches. There was a church planting conference. And during that conference, you know what I realized? There's a lot of towns in our county of Woodford County that don't have a Bible-believing, gospel-centered church. There's some towns that people live in tonight, right now, that are here tonight, that when they go back into their hometown, there's not a gospel-preaching church in that town. So it's not just people across the ends of the earth, but sadly, it's people that live 20 minutes north, you know? And so it, it, for believers, it is a wake-up call. The gospel is a wake-up call for us to spread God's truth to others around us and our own communities. For unbelievers, the gospel is a wake-up call to trust in Jesus as your Savior before it's too late. Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus says, the one who believes in me has streams of living water, has eternal life of those who believe in me for their salvation. Those who confess that they need Jesus as a Savior and those who don't, you have no idea when your life ends. You are not guaranteed tomorrow. None of us are. And without receiving forgiveness for your sins, you cannot, cannot, cannot enter into a relationship with God, which means you cannot enter heaven without forgiveness for your sins. That is truth and that is fact. And so for unbelievers, the gospel is a wake-up call to trust in Jesus as your Savior before it's too late. So I think we see this in great application points throughout John 7. I thank you for your participation in your groups and your uh, willingness to listen to your leaders. And so right now we have, it's 8.15. I know parent pickups are on 8.30. So for a couple minutes, five minutes, not too long, I want you guys to spend time in your groups and I just want you to pray. Okay? I want you to pray for about five minutes. Whatever's going on, I need at least two students from each group to pray. Okay? You got five minutes. Go. Go. 